Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. and let you know that this episode was recorded on May 1st. So within the discussion, Amisha and I will kind of go over our views on how to protest. But I want you to just recognize the protests that we are talking about here in this conversation are not the Black Lives Matter protests, are not the protests that took place after the murder of George Floyd. So bear that in mind. As with anything, context matters. And the context of the protests that we were talking about were regarding the protests, the the protesting the right to work. The truth is, is our views can change dependent upon the context of the protest. And so I just want us to be mindful of that. I want us to be open to that. I want there to always be a consideration for context because for me especially, context matters. Imishi is my friend. I've known him for a... I want to say four or five years. I met him through Facebook, but we have shared in personal dialogues. He has taught me a lot. He's inspired me a lot. He knows a lot about a lot of things that I don't know about. Ironically, we had a little bit of a spat shortly after we recorded this conversation, and I was very concerned. But as you know, I think this COVID era has introduced us to a reactivity unlike we've ever seen before. And I have a feeling that that's what both Amishi and I were kind of experiencing when we had our little cat fight. Um, What he called it was just a little bit of sibling rivalry. And all was better after we were able to talk it out. And one of the things I really appreciate about Amishi is we don't, we very rarely agree on anything, but we do agree on a whole bunch more. And even when we disagree, It doesn't mean that we have to sever our connection. Disagreement does not equal disconnection. Disagreement means diversity. So some of the things we talk about throughout the episode are going to be probably a surprise to you. We're going to start with a little bit of Kanye West and Taylor Swift after our our initial build in conversation and kind of shooting the shit. And then we talk about normalized reactivity. There are some cool hand Luke references. Amishi shares a little bit of a sci-fi theology. We talk about logos, the word, uh, the dance of good and evil. Amishi raises the question, why do good and evil have to fight? We then move on to how to protest. Amishi says some controversial things, some things that I think require a little bit of reflection and pondering before there is a response to parts of the dialogue that may or may not irritate you or frustrate you or activate some kind of necessary reaction, I ask you just to pull back and to just listen. Eventually, we get to the part of the discussion where we're both in agreement, and maybe you are too, listeners, is that sometimes people are just stupid, and we have to allow grace for that. 
As always, listeners, I ask you to compassionately consider the perspective of my dear friend, Amishi Ashitaka. Enjoy the conversation. They are. I mean, they're worse than a factory. You know, they're just they like, they're just pure mechanical harvesting and just taking every possible bit of, you know, whatever they can get from the land. You know, it's like, it, it, I mean, it's very, I'm sure it's very well calculated out. I don't know this for a fact, but, you know, I work as an engineer and I know, like, I know what we can do with predictability and math, you know, and I'm yeah. sure, you know, and I know the kind of money that, you know, John Deere, you know, spends on their kind of, uh, whatever their farming system is. Uh, I worked with them. We actually do their digital catalog. And I remember when they were rolling out like this intelligent, all this intelligent stuff. They're like, they have stuff that like tracks all like your tractors movements and like, yeah. they know, and the sprayers are, com- you know, the sprayers are completely controlled so that like, even if you're like kind of overlapping, like every piece of the land gets the exact same amount. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it is it's a very impressive hand. technology. You know, yeah. and on the other hand, you know, I think that it's sometimes, you know, we just, like you said, yeah, we just start raping, you know, because it's like we can. Yeah. You know, and that's just, you know, whatever. It's hard. So, Around here, there's this guy, he owns so much land, and uh, I'm just like, and he is incessant with pesticides and herbicides and he won't try anything new he just does the same thing same routine same rotation Mm -hmm. and my husband is one of the only farmers in the area that does no-till and tries and we moved away from gmo corn Mm -hmm. started there and he's he's always trying new things and he's always doing research and he's always trying to figure out a better way to still get a quality product and Mm -hmm. at the same time like replenish the earth yeah and his dad and his brother have a hard time with all of his new stuff mm-hmm. they're very conservative and they're very strict oh. in their traditions and this is just the way we've always done it and you know Corey's always like yeah but like your yields are going down and your weeds are resistant to everything and mm-hmm. your dirt sucks and you know we always have to fertilize and we shouldn't have to and he's always trying to implement new stuff and I mean, his brother and dad go along, but they push hard and they're like, well, and I'm like, he, my husband spends hours and hours every day researching. I mean, the amount of time he puts into agriculture and understanding everything I'm baffled by. And the one thing that really pissed me off is Bloomberg. When he started making it sound like farming was so simple, he's like, you take your seed and you put it in the dirt and you water it and poof, there's your food. And I'm like, 
that is not how it works. That's not even how it works in a garden. And yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it reduces it farmers to like these simpletons. And I'm like, you have no idea like what farmers go through every year and then to only be paid once a year on top of it mm-hmm. and to have to make yeah. it stretch and to live in the enormous amount of debt we do on top of it all because you can't afford this shit. You can't, oh, you yeah. don't have yeah. a quarter of a million well, the, dollars laying around. The land's for tractor. Exp- yeah, you're right. The, the, the land's expensive. The land. All the equipment's expensive. Uh, you know, like just upkeep of everything's expensive. Yeah. Uh, you know, like if you have livestock and things like that, you know, you need facilities, you know, you're using electricity, you're using, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not a small operation. No, it's not. And it's not lucrative at all either. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really not. <laughs> it's, so not. <laughs> it's, I, oh, I always give my husband a hard time and I'm like, farming is like one of the greatest Ponzi schemes. Like you never actually make money. You just keep like moving it around. <laughs> And that's all it is. Yeah. And he has to have a side business. I mean, cause farming just barely pays the bills. And mm-hmm. so we feed hogs too, okay. but now we're, we have to send our hogs out to be euthanized. Oh, okay. Oh, why? Um, well, because all the processing plants are closed. Oh. You know, all the animals are ready for slaughter mm-hmm. and they can't okay. slaughter them. And so now not only are farmers stupid, they're inhumane and they don't care yeah. about animals. And it's like, we don't really well, even have a choice here. Yeah. Yeah. What happens if you don't euthanize them? It, the, their quality of life drastically goes down and it's not, oh, so, it's not healthy. I mean, the goal is to fatten okay. these animals up for high protein, low fat. Okay. You know, they have a hard time walking. They're 300, 350 pounds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard things like that. Okay. So yeah. what happens is like when they're ready to basically go to slaughter, like they don't have a lot of life left in them anyway. Is that right. kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is where they're at right now in the turn. And yeah. it's like, they're supposed to be going to the processing facility, but yeah. where there's, there's none open and the one, there's a few open. Mm-hmm. But we you can't keep up. I mean, because everybody's yeah. usually ready in a cycle. It's like every three and a half months, they're okay, ready. Got you. And so yeah, I, it's. Mm. Oh man, that's that's just fucked. Yeah, it is. It is. But what's really nice is right now, um, the company that my husband feeds for does you know wants to try and help the community out as much as possible. So like, mm-hmm. it's basically like if you can agree that you'll donate to the local food shelf, the amount that it would cost to buy a market hog, take one. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think, you know, and that's been going on a lot in Minnesota, especially you've been seeing a lot of private um, farmers too, are like, you know, just pay me 90 bucks. Yeah. And you're like $90. I mean, because pork is zero is worth zero now. Oh, and so wow. you're just asking for a little bit. Those are for the private farmers, but for these big mm-hmm. corporations, they have to go by protocol and regulation and they have to follow all these things. And I don't even want to know what takes place with the euthanasia. I mean, I'm assuming it might be similar to the butchering process, but then what, like where do all these carcasses go? I, I don't want to know. There's so many yeah. things I don't want to know about the operation, but yeah. we have to play within this evil system in order to yeah. get to the point to do what we want to do. Cause we don't yeah. want to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, we want sustainable agriculture and we want yeah. to grow what we want, but you can't just grow whatever you want. You, yeah. you can't. Farmers can't. Farmers mm-hmm. can't just go, you know what? I'm going to grow nothing but carrots because if you don't have a contract, if you don't follow a regulation, if you haven't guaranteed that you're going to have the buyers and the producers, you can't mm-hmm. and no one's going to give you a license yeah. to. It's bullshit. Wow. So anyway, yeah. right. what was the farming? 
<laughs> yeah, I think most of the yeah that was my experience. I was in the corporate world for a while, and it's just yeah yeah. There's a lot of bullshit, and there's because it, I mean it's a competitive system, mm-hmm. and the way the competitive systems work are like there's certain strata in that system, and people tend to like really push down at those you know strata points because I mean I think there's a lot of I mean I think there's a lot of things going on. There's a certain amount of I've been too many places and been in like too many companies to like say you know the whole good old boys club that doesn't exist that's bullshit that's like good old boys clubs are just about everywhere yeah you know but there's also just the general competition you know whereas the you know maybe it's like in a company at like a certain place you know like at a vp level or whatever you'll have that narrowing where it's like okay there's only like you know maybe 10 of these positions or 12 of these positions so like it just becomes ultra competitive and insane in that way too and it really yeah, it, it is. It's bullshit. Well, it's not even bullshit. It's, it, you know, can I swear on your thing? I mean, I'm yeah. pretty sure I can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, what it is, it's fucking high school is what it fucking is. Yeah. You know, it's, it is. It's fucking high school. You know, it's like, are you, are, are you kidding me? Like, we're going to play these. Like, I thought I was done with those games. You know, didn't yeah. you? Didn't yes. you think, I mean, I got like, I didn't like school to begin with. And I got yeah. out of there like 18, 19, whatever. And I'm like, cool. I'm done with these games. Yeah, no. And then, you know, I started getting into life. And I was like, wow, man, people were just like the assholes they were in high school. And I kind of was too, yeah. you know. And then I got kids and I got involved in you have to deal with like schools and the PTO. And if you don't want to talk about some serious like rage, like that I was not prepared for, <laughs> uh, that was like a terrible thing. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like I can't be in my school, me and my, uh, the elementary school principal like are not on talking terms because I, we had a little bit of a. We, we had an episode about six seven years ago because they didn't want to they didn't want to pay five hundred dollars to get ki- like the teachers an extra table in the playground it was freaking ridiculous like they're just it was just like incompetence it's like they had like sixty thousand dollars sitting the pto at sixty thousand dollars sitting in a you know in reserve mm-hmm. you know and and, the, the, and and then they're like well we don't really you know we want to have this reserve I don't know if we want to, you know, free up five hundred dollars for this table that the teachers are asking for, and you know, part of me is like, what? You know, first off, if you're a PTO, what the fuck do you have sixty thousand dollars like sitting in the bank for? Like, that's a salary. You yeah. Know? <laughs> it's a, like, like, why? Why do you have a full year's like teacher salary just kind of laying around? Like, and PTO, meanwhile, your teachers that, go without supplies and the things yeah. they need. Or yeah, and your PTO, like, your job is to spend that money in good ways, you know, yeah. while keeping you know some reserve. I mean, it's it's the whole thing, you know. And my mom was a teacher, so I'm like really biased, mm. you know, because I think that you know, I think they're yeah, I think they're teachers that suck because they're people that suck in every industry. But I think there, you know, there are also some really good teachers. I think that, you know, you have a combination. If you have a good teacher and a good parent, I think you have really good success with kids. Mm-hmm. I think if you have like a good teacher and a bad parent, or a bad teacher and a good parent, I think you kind of end up in the middle. But if I think if you have like a bad teacher and a bad parent, like, yeah. you know. no, that's true. That's really, really true. That's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I, um, I understand the push for. Um, marriage and unity and continuity within a a family unit and this single motherhood thing and this increasing rate of divorce that like creates a lot of problems for our children and it breaks up stability for them. And so it's just weird. We live in a society where we're supposed to celebrate brokenness and broken ideas about what 
a wholeness and, and a tribe and a community should look like. And I never understood mm-hmm. that. I'm like, why? And at the same time, it's weird because that same sides that kind of, I would say, perpetuate that kind of celebration are also anti-individualist. And it doesn't make sense to me because yeah. that's a very individualistic way to go about life. Mm-hmm. Thinking you can do it all as like a single mother or a single woman or just one person. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of similar to individualism, only the people that I know who practice individualistic philosophy aren't anti-community. They're yeah. just anti-conformity more so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you have a lot of aspects with individualism and just, you know, I guess personal autonomy too, you know, because yeah. there are, you know, there are people that are just very individual. Like there are people that are just going to do their own thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, you're not going to change that, you know? And they still may be like easy to get along with, or they may be like just completely unbearable. Yeah. You know, I mean, just, they, they kind of run in a whole spectrum. I think it kind of runs like that with individualism. You know, some people, and, and then there are people that are just very independent and like to do things themselves. You know, like I, like I, I love what I love, like these old people that are like that. They're just complete animals. You know, they're like 80 and they, and, you know, and they're at the point where they don't give, you know, they don't give a shit anymore because, you know, they're 80. Like what's someone going to do to them? Yeah. And they're just like, Hey man, I'm doing whatever I want, you know, and they're just out there living, you know, having a good time because they're like, yeah, I'll just do whatever I want to do. Cause you're like, what else am I going to do? You know? Yeah. So I think that, yeah, that's kind of cool. But there's also people that are very individual in that they like that aloneness. Cause maybe they're an introvert. I mean, mm-hmm. cause you seem kind of like this and I, and I feel like I, you know, or, and I think I kind of seem, I'm a little bit like this, you know, where it's like, it's not like I'm, I tend to keep to myself a lot, but I still maintain a lot of conversation with a lot of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? but at the same time like if i go to a party like i, I don't know about you, you know, you're probably different from me you're probably a little bit more outgoing than me maybe you aren't but i go to a party like i don't want to talk to anybody unless you know because it's like I, I got my people that i know and like i'm comfortable there but like if i don't know you i'm like a little bit like hesitant and that's just kind of how i am you know yeah i when i go party man i yeah i never did the party thing in high school i didn't like it it was weird um mm-hmm. but i'm a watcher I like to observe people. Oh, yeah. Um, That's, like, I think my most favorite part is I like to watch people. So, like, when I go to social gatherings or events or community things, Mm -hmm. um, I try to just watch other people. And I typically know, like, one or two people. Like, one of my friends is the editor of our local newspaper. And so, Mm -hmm. when he tells me about things, he's like, well, I'll be there. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, me and Corey are going to come then. Sounds fun. You know, and so then we have one other person we know there. Mm-hmm. and he's really good about introducing you to everybody because he knows everybody. I just really like to watch and I like to listen. I do like to talk to people though too, but I'm selective. I'll find somebody who looks like they'll be a good conversationalist because mm-hmm. I don't like small talk. I don't like, how you doing? How's the weather? <laughs> oh, what about yeah. that? What about that Trump? You know, I don't want to have those like surface layer conversation because oh. when I converse, I want it to be meaningful. I want it to be impactful. I want it to change me or transform me or inspire me or something. And so, yeah, I'm very reserved in, I guess, who I bring into my circle. So I am introverted. I do like being alone. I like being alone in my head. But I really, I practice conversation with my kids though. I mean, I talk to my kids. My parents didn't really start talking to us until we were older. And I didn't like that because I always felt excluded. And I never wanted my kids to feel, you know, they'd be like, what are you and dad talking about? 
And my parents would say, none of your business, go play. You know, and sometimes we'll be like, oh, well, here's what we're talking about. And we're probably talking about like politics or economics or whatever it is or whatever book I'm reading, I'm always regurgitating to my husband. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm big on conversation, but I'm also introverted. It's a weird combination. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I like that you talk to your kids. I, I mean, I, I think that's, I, I kind of went down that path too. You know, I think you got to talk to, like, I think you need to talk to kids like adults when they're yeah. like, when, when they're babies. I never did the baby talk with my kids. You know, I talked to them like they, you know, I just talked, I don't know, I would just talk to them like I talked to myself. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you know, me too, I did that you know, too. I would, just, I would just talk to them, you know, and one of the things I think that was really, I mean, it was hard at the time, but, you know, I took my kids over to Tanzania on a mission trip, like, I don't know, 2016 or so. And they were in like first, third, and I want to say fifth grade. And, you know, so we're like in like a smaller house over there, which is not a real big deal, but we're all kind of, you know, a little bit closer than we're used to being. And yeah, and they had to be, and they had to be part of all the conversations, you know, and they, you know, and it, and, and it was rough on them. Yeah, I felt, you know, looking back, I did Trump, like, I think I traumatized them by dragging their ass over there. But I think it was a good, but I mean, I, I think it pays good dividend. You know, like my kids got back and my daughter, for example, she came back as soon as she went into junior high, like about a year later after she got back, she was just like, this drama is the stupidest stuff I've ever seen. Like it, and I can't mm, that stand, sounds like, like good trauma. Anyway. Like you woke but, them yeah. up trauma. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was good because they had to deal with a lot of stuff, you know, uh, they had to deal with long days in cars driving forever. Cause like you can't drive more than maybe 25, 30 miles on some of the roads. Cause they're all, you know, they're dirt roads. They mm. have significant water erosion that you're going to have on them in different places. Uh, they're, Oh, well, you know what dirt roads look like, uh, you know, obviously. But, yeah, you know, they yeah, yeah they don't work the like normal roads. Yeah, they yeah, don't. You know, Can't yeah, go they're fast almost like, yeah, they're like running on like those big bump, you know, those like speed bumps on the highway or yep. like, like the things to wake you up. You know, it's just like running on those all day. Yes. <laughs> oh, but I mean, but it was good for them because like I said, you know, it's like they got to be part of those conversations and, and we had some issues that we had to deal with a couple of times and they, and they, you know, and you can't just kick the kids outside you know, i mean you can but you know, you know but we talked to them about it and they yeah. you know and, and they got through it i think you know i like to believe they're better for it you know they've <laughs> they've all been into therapy since we got back which yeah. <laughs> which is you know which i you joke know, therapy about therapy is I, actually really good for kids i wish my mom would have put me in therapy more you know i kind of wish that too because one of the things i learned about like you know i joke about it but at the same time i'm like wow you know it's so cool because i was never taught how to get help as a kid like mm -hmm. I was a screwed up freaking kid because, you know, I got a single mom because my dad died when I, was, when I was in first grade, you know, and I didn't have anyone taking care of me. I was just running yeah. amok, fighting with kids in school and all that stuff. And I was clever enough and smart enough that like I could just fight with the school. So I did. And that's just what I did, you know, but like no one ever taught me how to like, hey, you know, how do you kind of fix yourself if like you're running these problems where it's like, hey, you will get along with anyone that's in charge with you. And you got trouble with jobs because you don't understand. You just can't tell your boss to go fuck themselves. Yeah. You know, so it's, you know, you know, but, you know, and I thought it was so cool that my kids, you know, they're like, wow, you know, they're kind of getting introduced to this whole, introduced to this whole system of, hey, you know what, if I get in real deep, whether it's suicide, whether I'm drinking too much beer, or I'm just, I keep waiting, you know, I keep waking up with strange guys or strange girls, and I just don't want to do that anymore, or whatever, you know, you know, they have, they're kind of armed with this whole I kind of at least know what to do, you know, or yeah. I don't think anyone ever taught me that, you know, it just, cause the system just kind of, you know, the system tried to, you know, the system wrote me in itself, you know? Yeah. You know well, I mean? so, and I think sometimes I can't help but see that I see that there was an intention of good and benefit in this whole collective way that we educate and, 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 and inundate and to a little degree indoctrinate children. But sometimes I can't help but see that, 
they almost set them up to fail so that they'll turn around and then re-depend on the system to help fix it, but then they never really fix it. And I think, well, there are these outside sources that are available to us that will help Mm -hmm. us fix it. But you know, they're taboo and you're, you're shamed and still, I mean, we still shame people over therapy. I was in a car accident when I was 12. I went into the windshield and so they were concerned about um, neurological damage. And so mm-hmm. I had to see, you know, neuropsychologists, psychiatrists, and, and this was for years. And mm-hmm. I had to jump through so many hoops and tests and da, 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 da. But in the end of it, I got to learn a lot about myself. And I got to, I was given more tools for my toolbox to kind of help mm-hmm. me figure out like how to navigate in life because I had this head trauma, you know, there was all this potential where da, 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 da could happen. And if this happens, but that kind of leads you on a trajectory to go, well, this is useful information. Even if you don't fly into a windshield, this could better me. And why aren't we giving that kind of information to public schools? You know, we have one school nurse and randomly they get a health class or something, but in, in, oh, in one grade, you get a psychology course, but I'm like, why are we not doing that throughout? Yeah. That was one of the reasons that I decided to homeschool. I mean, I also got into it with the superintendent, the principal, every teacher, <laughs> you name it. Yeah, um, the, the, entire, you. the entire <laughs> uh, council. Yeah, I was writing nasty letters to the editor and everything about them. I was, yeah. But one of the biggest problems I had was, you know, if you really look at the school curriculum, they just teach them the same shit over and over again they really should be learning psychology. And that's when I started getting into psychology and was learning about psychology. And I'm like, y'all are learning this shit with me. I don't care what your school's doing. But even when you suggest to schools, like, you know, this would be a good idea to implement. They're like, you don't get to tell us what to do. And I'm like, but they're my kids. So why not? Uh, Yeah, that's my, one of my biggest problems. They want to be the ones that are right. And I can't stand that. Cause I'm like, they're my kids though. Like you're wrong here. I think it's the schools. I think they don't have the resources or the money. No, I really think it, it comes down to that, you know, and I think that they haven't had it for a long time, you yeah. know, so I think that what you have is you have, I think the other problem too is they have like, they're probably the most government regulated company or industry out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, think about how much the government screws up like normal stuff, you know, <laughs> you know, just like, like the car industry or, or, or let's talk about how much the government screws up the banking industry. <laughs> That's really, <laughs> but you know, but like school, the government is all over that stuff, especially since Bush went crazy and yeah. had the like the no child left behind like that. Again, I think that's one of those things where it's like there's a certain there's a really noble and I think a very good, good intention there. It's like, hey, you know what? We're carrying everyone across the finish line. I don't know. There's a certain point I feel you have to split the pack because you just you can't always. I think you need to let the people that are really at the front. You really need to let people that can just run, 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 and just do amazing things. Yeah. The people that are just smart, the people that are like psycho-driven, you know, those people that don't get married and just like work like 80 hours a week and they're like obsessed with like maybe curing cancer or they're obsessed with making a better car or whatever, you know, or they're just an activist who's just completely obsessed. You know, I think you need to like really try to empower those people. Let them just run. But at the same time, I think you need to find a way to deal with the people that really struggle. And there's some people... I worry, have you ever seen Jordan Peterson's talk on the IQ test? Yeah. You know, he says there's 10% of the people, they're not able to have a functional job in a society. And that's like, I mean, to me, that's the most horrific thing like I've ever heard. He does, and he says, I love how he says, if this doesn't terrify you, you haven't heard it right. It's like, that's, you know, horrific. Like, what do you do? And maybe that really brings into question the whole 
economic work money value system that we have, you know, in terms of like, you know, how people are able to, you know, contribute and honorably sustain themselves in society. Yeah. I I don't think we were there a hundred years ago. You know, I don't even think we were really there maybe 50 years ago. And I think it's really wrong to look at history and say, hey, those people were screwed up. Cause they didn't. I, I think you need a lot of money to do this. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, like we see with uh, civil rights, you know, climate activism. You know, there's certain GDPs that like once you hit a certain GDP, then you actually are able to uh, worry about those things because you're not just, you know, struggling to keep yourself alive. Do you think that's yeah. what the whole like advancement, that whole global advancement is about is like lifting everybody up. They want everybody to have the same access to the potential to change things and to revolutionize and to be um, on par with where like the United States and the UK and some other more developed European countries are. I think there's people that want that. Uh, I don't know if that's, I think that sounds like a very moral thing to do, but I question that's I question the effectiveness of that, and this is why. NFL football. Do you watch football? I do not, but I try to okay. stay up on the gossip. Yeah, well, NFL football. One way to explain it is it's like you have like twelve guys on the team, right? And everyone's kind of doing something, but there's really only like a small number of people that are actually touching the ball and have a lot of the you know what is called the decision making you know, whether they're the quarterback who has a lot of decision-making and is a very important part of the team, or if it's one of the defensive players who's like, you know, the defensive leader and he's calling the defensive plays. So the way that like these competitive organizations work, you don't win by feeding everyone the ball equally. You win by feeding the ball to the people that are like being successful at the given moment against the people that you're, well, they're being successful in the task that they're currently doing. Yeah. That needs, you know, that kind of, ability to compete because i think that if you aren't able to compete you go away like like i don't think you can ignore the fact that we live within a competitive world you know i think that that uh, i think that i think that's something that we're wrestling with you know theologically now is this kind of thing how do you accept this you know yes i'm gonna accept the world screwed up and yeah i get stuck doing things i you know i shouldn't have done like you know i, I was stuck doing a terrible job in the military you know, you, you're the same way like now. It's like, yeah, like for now, I got to carry these shitty chains because this is where I'm at. And this is, you know, because you can't walk out of everything sideways. You know, sometimes you just got to kind of like walk through it. Shoot, I just kind of, I started babbling and lost myself. <laughs> I do that sometimes. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll probably work our way there. No, yeah, I hear but, what you're saying though. Yeah. And at the same time, I think too, is like, I think it, I, I agree. It's a good idea. And I think I understand like that's the kind of mentality behind like socialism too is that Mm -hmm. you want everybody to be at the same at the same level but Mm -hmm. even going taking it back to school like you're you're breaking people down and setting an expectation based on an age group and not an individual person and when we take that away we stop seeing the wholeness of a person and that's where my concern is and I think that's Mm -hmm. why I tend to lean a little individualist is because we can expect everybody to develop and evolve and transform on their journey at the same time. And we know that, but we still try and force people into these little timelines. And when you do that, I think you create more chaos than organization because now you're forcing people to go against their own nature. I homeschool and I can see the difference. I have twins and I can see the difference. And you know, once a boy and one's a girl, and I can see that difference in where I need to rethink my teaching style. And then one of my twins is autistic 
and the other is not. And so there's another challenge for me that I have to curate an entire teaching curriculum for. And then I have another child that's just 15 months older than the twins, but he's like at a whole different level. And then my other two children too, they were, you know, my daughter was speaking and telling you colors and shapes by like one. And then my second, my son, he was like, I am not into this. Maybe around three or four, he was like, okay, I'll pay attention. But we have to, we have to be considerate of that, that everybody learns at a different pace. And instead of putting kids in schools, for instance, by age groups, like, isn't there a way we can sit down and therapize them and figure out what would be the best direction for them and the best placement instead of just forcing them? And then the same with you know, our marketplaces, the people that are best at this without having to fill quotas and demands. And I'm sorry to say it, diversity quotas, mm-hmm. looking for the best person and not being so concerned with, is it a woman and da, 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 and is it this? And did you make sure you have enough black people in there and enough Hispanic people? And that gets into taking away from people's passions and drives and allowing them to excel what they're good at because they're told, you can't, we need to do this instead. And it's like, we're trying to tell people how, what they should be good at instead of letting them tell us what they're good at. And I don't like that at all. (laughs) Yeah. I think we're moving forward on that though. I I mean, I think there's, I think, I think there's a significant reason a hundred years ago before the, like the industrial revolution, like most people, like the level of education there between now is like ridiculous. I think the people, adults are, I think we're always able to make relatively good decisions. But I think that like what we're seeing now is that it's becoming too complex. I mean, think about all the things that you need to understand. Like you said, psychology. Like I think psychology is an incredibly useful tool to just navigate the modern world or, you know, what we're seeing now, especially, you know, some Jungian work, uh, you know, and understanding archetypes and just kind of understanding some of those, you know, how he understood consciousness, I think is very helpful. Mm-hmm. And making sense of like what you're going to come into in the religious realm and those sorts of things. In addition to like how people, you know, interact with each other. But again, you know, there's so much other stuff that's so new, you know, it's like you need to understand a little bit about computers because again, it's kind of like a car, you know, like your computer can be real dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. Exactly. You know, in terms of just like, like letting your credit card stuff accidentally get leaked online or things like that, where you mm-hmm. cause yourself headaches. You have to learn that. Seems like there's so much more that, you really need to learn to have a really good picture stuff. I mean, it's, yeah. I think being a Renaissance man or woman is extremely important. Like that's the only way you can really, you need to have that holistic view. Like you said, yeah. I think, you know, you need to know the, you need to know science at least enough that you can be like, okay, that's a little bit weird. And it's not even like what's true or false. You know, it's kind of what I said about the New York things on Facebook the other day. It's, it's just, you need to know when stuff is like, seems like an anomaly or at least warrants a closer look. Yeah. And I felt that way about New York City, you know, you know, having 10, you know, 10% of the worldwide COVID-19 deaths. Unless somebody's, you know, like, you know, now that doesn't mean that anyone's lying or anything. That just means that, okay, here's something that's a little bit odd or seems odd. I mean, yeah. does that seem odd to you? You know, 10% yeah. of the deaths worldwide. It you seems know. odd, but, but just interject, I, yeah. there's a lot of people there too. And there's a lot yeah. of people that travel there. So it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. At the same yeah, yeah. time. That's what I mean. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's a very complex situation and people could be under reporting too. Exactly. You know, like, yeah, like India is a good example. Like India is really confusing in this whole thing. I'm, I'm shocked India like just wasn't wrecked by this. 
Because I was telling people up and down probably for like the first three or four months, I'm like, yeah, when this is India, like India is all going to get killed. Like most, like they're almost more crowded. Than, are, are they more crowded in China? I don't um, know. I think, I think Chi- China. China's I think China probably, still has some beat out in crowds. Or maybe, yeah. maybe I don't know about crowds, but population. Yeah. Gonna, yeah but I, I, China's bigger than India too. So yeah. Yeah, it's hard to see. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the exact statistics are, but I know India is like really packed. I know that they they're still working on getting sanitation to where it really needs to be. You know, compared to like a Western country. Yeah. Uh, I know that they have extremely like sharp, like they have a sharp caste divide. You know, which basically means you know, and, and we did see that initially, like when all the migrant workers like went crazy. But like even with that, that managed not to be like I don't know how to didn't bring complete catastrophe on India. You know, when all the migrant workers got kicked out, they had to, like, travel halfway across the country back to their houses. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe India's a little bit behind us. You know, it's all, you know, and, and this is what maybe it's not even worth talking about because, I, you know, I feel like all we can do is speculate. I like, like, I feel like speculation. Even, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it maps out a uh, problem space really well. You know what I mean? And you can say, well, here, here's where all your possibilities are. And Let's try to figure out about where it is. Because I don't think anyone really knows. And I think, I don't believe the experts know. And I don't believe it's because they're stupid or anything else. I just, I believe this is too complicated, you know? Yeah. I'm an engineer. And one of the things I try to explain to people is like, we don't solve, we don't ever solve hard problems. All of our daily stuff is easy problems. You know, it's stuff, you know, it's kind of stuff like, okay, you know, do I figure out the bills, you know, little things like that, you know, or it's like maybe some simple math type stuff like, oh, I have to balance my budget or I got to figure out, you know, how I'm going to plan. Well, like you figure out how, how do I plan my money to last me all year? Mm-hmm. Those things, you know, you know, and, and the reason why is like, if people to deal with hard problems all the day, like they'd have problems, you know, like just, they wouldn't like, we wouldn't survive. Yeah. You know, like stuff like this COVID-19, this whole scenario, this is what a hard problem looks like. Number one, we weren't prepared and I don't, you know, and, and we couldn't have been that prepared for this. Like, this is one of those things that just comes in and hits you and you have to get hit by it. And start from that point. Like, you can't start from before it was going to come in and, like, do whatever it's going to do to your country. I mean, there's ways you can be prepared, but you also have to kind of realize that in the movie Ghost in the Darkness, uh, Michael Douglas talks about prize fighting. And he talks about how, you know, it's like everyone has this plan when you go into the fight. And that plan only lasts up to that point that you get punched real hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, that's what a hard problem is like COVID-19. Yeah. We could have gone in, you know, we could have gone, didn't matter how good a plan we were going in with. There's going to come a point in time where we were going to get punked. So you kind of have, you know, you, so you kind of have to plan, at least be able to deal with, okay, the initial onslaught, but then also realize that like, okay, this is probably going to put us in a place where we really don't know what we're going to do. And we just need to try to find a way to remain calm and figure out what works out best for everyone. Yeah. You know, I mean. Do you oh, think Trump on. was trying to keep us calm? Do you think that's why he was acting the way he was in the beginning? Like, okay, well, I'll shut down international tra- or I'll shut down travel to China. We're going to be at this. It's going to be okay. Do you think he was trying to just try and keep people calm? I don't know. You know, or was he being that's egocentric? What that's what I thought. I thought he was trying to keep people calm because one of the things I believe about politicians, I expect them to lie. Yeah. Would I really get mad? Like at least tell the right lies. Like at least show that you care enough, like that people are watching you. And that you at least know enough about how stupid the game is, even if it's fake, rigged, stupid, whatever, that you at least are going to, like, lie the lies that we know that you're supposed to tell us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be and, okay. We've got yeah, it figured exactly. out. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that's what it should have been. You know, it should have been like, look, you know, we got this happening. We're going to taking these steps. 
Uh, I don't think Trump should have really said anything. I think when you're the leader in those situations, you need to understand that you have no idea what's happening. You're just kind of like this fall guy. So you basically, you know, you need to be like Trump. Hey, you know, it's going to be okay. We got people working on it. He's like, I'm going to hand you over to my like advisors and they're going to tell you what we're going to do. Because the truth is, like everyone says, like, why would you think Trump knows anything about this? Like, yeah, you know like I, mean? I wouldn't expect like, him to. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like, really? You know, so I think that he might have been trying to do that. I don't know. I think that, I, I honestly think the thing that really killed us with this was that we were too involved with the impeachment. Yeah. No one really wanted, and I think after the whole Iran, you know, Iran, the fake World War Iran, you know. Like, I think after that, people, like, there was that, there was the impeachment. Like, I, people just were like, hey, you know what? I don't have another thing I want to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know, that's just all, again, this is all speculation. But I think that that was, you know, I felt like that, there was an attitude kind of like that. And, you know, and I think that's kind of what happened to us. You know, we were just tired. We've been fighting politically for what? Eight, maybe 12, because there are a lot of people that were really not happy and fought Barack Obama yeah. tooth and nail. I think we're just tired, you know, we're just like, look, we just don't have the energy to look at this like new thing, you know? Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's in, yeah, the media is really, I think, falling apart too. You know, I think that we've lost control of the media because I remember a time when I was a kid where it seemed like the media, the news channels, they weren't really politicized, you know, they yeah. were just kind of like, Hey, yeah. we're going to try to be equally biased and not seem like sometime around the nineties to this weird phase where like, instead of having like kind of balanced view where maybe you have, some conservatives and some liberals and some libertarians and, and you know what and some socialists and or whatever you know kind of on panels talking about things and just you know we kind of went to this political commentary like fox news and msnbc where it's not even really news mm-hmm. it's kind of like commentary on the news yeah it kind of has this like kind of paralyzed and there's no cohesion or anything either i remember that too and like growing up in the 80s is that it seemed like when you had a panel, you in- incorporated a bunch of different voices. Yeah. And then as we advanced forward, it was like, I'm not talking to that side. I'm not talking to that side. We are talking to yeah. each other. They're not coming on my show. And then if they do come on each other's show, like now, it's like, oh, I got to yeah. attack this person. We have to, we have to, we have to clobber this person and demolish this person so we can get this clickbait headline and show you that they disagreed. And I'm like, can't you guys show us how to disagree, you know, civilly? And not like yeah. assholes. And yeah, there just seems to be people aren't willing to come together that are opposed to each other. And I think I like to talk to the people that are opposed to me. I want to talk to you. You're opposed to me. I'm opposed to you. Let's figure out where we actually agree, though, because I bet you we do. Because I normally find that if I'm willing to invest time into someone who's just being stupid and just wants to be right. And I'm like, okay, let's find a different topic and see if we can agree. Now, I don't always do that either because sometimes I get a little short-tempered with people. And right now, I've been very short-tempered. But <laughs> oh, no, I hear it. I hear it. Yeah. <laughs> I like to come together with people when we disagree so we can talk about it. And if we don't agree, that's okay. I, I know it's mm-hmm. cliche to say that, but it really is okay if we don't agree. I was arguing with my friend today. He's on the reincarnation thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I used to be into that, but I'm not anymore. And that's just not mm-hmm. where I'm at. And he's like, well um let me give you all this information to change your mind and i'm like I, you're really not going to though i've already been through it well you need to look at it from a different view and i'm like well no i'm good just have your views i don't need yeah. them and we're not willing to accept that of other people they're like no you will accept my view or i officially declare you the enemy and a, and a yeah. trump supporter or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah 
No, 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 I agree. I think there's a little bit of that going around now, this idea that like, this idea that everyone's view has equal value. And, and that's just horseshit. It doesn't mean that like, we shouldn't try to give everyone like an equal platform, or at least there should be a way, you know, that isn't completely assholes that figures out like how much we let people speak. Because yeah. like, as, as we've seen with, you know, with, you know, with certain people, certain people shouldn't speak. Right. Kanye, Kanye West, prime right. example. Like he should, like that dude. Yeah, I, and I love Kanye. Like Kanye, I love he's, Kanye's music. He's my favorite person because he's yeah. so authentic and he's just so like he's just out there and his emotions just like they just live on the outside of him all the time, you know. And he just and he's so passionate about stuff. He like he and he can't control himself. And he and he kind of I think he even knows that. You know, he's just there's something like about that to me that I really like. Half the time he ends up being a mess, you know. Like Taylor Swift gets her thing and he just like completely loses it and. Yeah. And honestly, like, I don't know if she, like, was all pissed off or, like, to me, I thought that was a little bit overblown, but she might have been really pissed off. I don't know. You know, it just seemed like it was uh, just kind of In her documentary, I think she was just, like, I watched her documentary and I've watched a yeah. couple of Kanye documentaries. And she was just kind of like, I don't even know what that was about. Like, what? Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, it just happened too quick that it was, like, it was too quick and too weird for me to even be offended or hurt. <laughs> But see, I think what that demonstrates is like, look at how reactive we have become. Mm -hmm. Kanye is an example of that, you know, yeah. where people are just stepping out on in front of someone's like award ceremony mm -hmm. and are like, you know what? I'm going to throw down my opinion right now. And then we're mm -hmm. like, uh, us normal people could not get away with that. Like I, yeah. why we would just not do that, but they normalize it. And then we're like, oh, we can do that too. And I think that's why we go toe to toe the way we do like on social media. We yeah. don't even, I was doing it last night. I was on Twitter and I was also, I was angry last night too. <laughs> I was angry. I was emotional. I was crying. I was just going through a lot of crap in my own life. And I was really mean to some people and I like, it kept me up at night and I felt really bad. And I think, God, why do we do that to each other? We tear these people down that we don't even know. Mm -hmm. And it feels like it calcifies my, my damn heart sometimes. Because I'm like, why do I keep doing that? But we keep putting ourselves in these influential realms of social media. And it makes us feel like that's what we're supposed to do. At least that is what for me. You know, I go back to, oh, it's because that whole mimetic thing. We all, and sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it subconsciously. And we pick up on the way other people treat other people. And we're mm. like, Oh, I'm gonna do that too. Look at how empowering that is for them. But it's really not. It's, mm. it's has nothing to do. It's about power over people instead of lifting yeah. people up and empowering them. And it's, yeah, mm. it's a ridiculous mess. Yeah. That's social What's media. The, yeah. Well, I don't even know if it's that. I, I, you know, I've really, I've kind of come to believe that I'll have to, I'll have to explain it to you because you hate sci-fi. I have like, you should I don't read hate it. I'm just it's not, just not your thing. Yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> There's so much good stuff in sci-fi. I've learned, you know, and I Dark keep Tower hearing series, that from everybody. They're like, oh, yeah. really, though. It's and it's, I, I get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like Dune is really good, but that's kind. Of, yeah, but like I said, that's 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 really political and like backstabbing political stuff and kind of interesting. You might enjoy that, but it's still, yeah, probably not your realm. But you know, in the Dark Tower. There's this concept called Ka, which I think is one of the for me like that's the easiest way for me to understand like fate, destiny, and all that crap. Uh, a good way to explain it is, you know, they talk about Ka, you know, they talk about Ka being like a wheel, you know, something that like, it's just kind of like this, these cycles that you're caught in. And they also talk about kind of Ka as being 
this force that comes like a wind that you're just completely powerless against. And I think there's a lot that kind of, you know, there's a lot of parallels, I think, with sin. There's a lot of parallels with fate or destiny and things like that. And what I really, I've learned with people is, you know, because I think like you, like, I'm not really, I, I don't have a problem fighting with people because me, for me, fighting with people, it's, it's not like I'm trying to, you know, there's very few occasions where I'm trying to actually be mean and extremely hurt. Normally, I think, you know, we're just playing Rock'em Sock'em Robots or something. You know, but I think that, you know, what I learned was that there are these cycles that we're caught in. And I don't think we have an, an immense amount of control over, like, what we can do. We can brute force will ourselves, like a diet's a good example. Like, you can brute willpower, just be like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to eat this whatever. But how often does that really work? <laughs> you know what I mean? And how hard is that to maintain? And, you know, and, and I think about, like, like if you, like, I remember my, a friend of mine, like, when we were younger, he always said, you know, why would you try to change somebody else? Have you ever tried to even change yourself? You know, you think about how hard it is to change who you are. And I think that that's kind of what caused that we all kind of have these circles that we just kind of grind around on. But I think that that's kind of what, you know, over time with awareness, you see, oh, okay, I'm doing this wrong. And that circle changes slowly over time to what I would just call better alignment. I, I don't really know mm. what else to call it. And I think I that. Like that. Yeah, and, and I think in that perspective, it's a lot easier to deal with things like, because I don't believe in good and evil. You know, I, I mean, I believe that, like, people have an idea of what good and evil is. Yeah. But I don't believe, like, I don't believe the battle for good, good and evil is any concern of the divine. Well, Apart what about the tree of knowledge of good and evil? What is that? The tree of knowledge? I think the tree of knowledge is just, I think that that's the danger. Like, that's why it's dangerous, because... Once you understand good and evil, you think they have to be fight. You know, it's like, why do good and evil have to fight? Hmm. You know, I mean, why, why do they have, I mean, that's, that just seems ridiculous to me. One of the things I got from, I think it was from the Gospel of John, I think, you know, when they, they talk about uh, in the beginning was the Logos. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think Logos is such a better term than like when people talk about like Jesus Christ being the word, I'm like, if you're saying that and you don't like and you don't understand what logos means, you're kind of missing the point. Logos is how the universe works, kind of. It's like the core way the universe works. And the Greeks early understanding that through Heraclius. The idea was that this logos was really a logos of tension, you know, polarities of like mm. opposing forces pushing and pulling. And new viewpoint that Christ offers is per perichoresis or you know, the dance. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's how the like, that's how we should see the battle of good and evil. You know, I think that, and this goes back to dualities and everything else. It's like mm. the world, in, in one sense, the world is this kind of back and forth push and shove. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But there's also a way to look at it where it becomes this dance between both sides. It's kind of like your marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can have a marriage where it's just like we're going to push each other back and forth and that's what we're all we're going to do. Or we can find this kind of marriage where it's like, we take turns surrendering to each other. I, I'm sure you just have to do this with my wife. You know, there's just sometimes that like, okay, like my daughter's just not going to want to listen to me. And I really have to just step back and just let my wife take care of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and then yeah. there's sometimes my daughter's just like, yeah, she's not going to listen to my wife, you know, and she only talked to me, you know, and I think that that's, you know, Carrie's love, you know, and charity and all that grace is, you know, it's that, okay, yes, we're pushing and shoving, but how do we turn that into, a you know, a dance that is, you know, beneficial yeah. for both of us. Oh, I like that. That's a really good so. way to look at it.
that's why I don't see the good and evil. Now that doesn't mean people don't suffer and people don't hurt other people. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that like, it's okay just to do that either. Yeah. You know, but I think that I've seen too few people who were like real evil. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, whether it's they're self-centered or narcissistic, uh, you know, maybe they're just assholes. There's very few people that are just malicious, like the people that shoot up schools, you know, those are the people yeah. that just, you know, people that really are that have gone to that point where they really, all they want is everyone else to suffer too. I think that those, that numbers is still relatively low. And yeah. I think that's a hopeful thing. You know, I think that that's, that's why I think, you know, the battle of good and evil becomes a problem because it's just, like you say, it's one more thing for us to fight about. Yeah. And then if we're looking at people and labeling them as evil too, we're not realizing that maybe they're not actually evil. They're just hurting, hurt people, hurt people, you know, and I know people don't like that, especially when you bring up school shootings and you're like, this person wasn't evil. This person was traumatized. This person had this life. And I think that about anybody, especially someone who's gotten into it with the law, which hi, I've been arrested a lot. I have, oh, yeah. oh, I have a lot of <laughs> crap from my past and the way that I dealt with it led to, you know, poor consequences that got me to where I was. If we don't heal ourselves, that's what happens, you know? Yeah. And some people just think that's the only way they can heal is if they bring everybody down else with them. I would agree with you there. I, I can't say I've ever met anyone that's evil that has yeah. been out to just hurt everybody. I've met people who are traumatized, who are hurt, who yeah. just have not developed grace and, and understanding yeah. and, and love. And that's, that's not their fault. It's just they haven't gotten there on their journey yet. And if we're not willing to offer them support, they're never going to. I like, I, I've been really trying to wrestle with the good and evil thing. But then I hear about things like sex trafficking rings or Satanists or, or whatever it is. And I'm like, well, what do we call that? You know, and so I get stuck there. But one of my friends, Will Rucker, you know, and he talked about this in regard to like, rape that's just a different because he thinks everything operates on a level of love either a very yeah. developed level or a very underdeveloped yeah i was listening to this podcast like really good stuff and yeah and when you look at it that way then you go mm -hmm. okay well that's not evil it's just they really don't know what love is and nobody's ever yeah. actually shown them and they've surrounded themselves by people who confirmed the narrative that they believe mm -hmm. and then what are you left to do you know yeah yeah. That there another hard problem. That like that's a hard problem. Like, because there's no there's, there's no answer and there's and the predictability is zero. Yeah. You know, it's like I think that's the biggest thing that's really driving a lot of this with our government shutdowns and things like that is that there's this fear of accountability. You know, it's it's not that people want to keep everything completely locked down. It's that people. I, I think politicians are in such a precarious position. They can't let like if they have any unnecessary deaths from this COVID thing, they know they're never getting reelected again. Yeah. Type thing, you know, it's like there's like there's the stakes are just so high for them that well, I have to do like the safest possible thing. I don't know. The whole thing just seemed crazy. You know, it's like mm -hmm. some businesses are open. Gun stores are open. No. And, you know, the dumbest thing is I heard this story taking place in Texas. This woman owns a salon and she was like, I don't care. I'm opening up. This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. The pet groomer that is right next door to her is open, but she cannot groom humans. And I'm like, what's the difference here? I went out today. I have not, I have not gone out in a month. I went oh, out wow. April 1st. That was the last time we went grocery shopping. We went crazy. And our grocery sprees are already big as it is because we mm -hmm. have a family of seven. 
And so we went out and we shopped and everybody was, can you please step back a little bit? You're kind of close. And all these other people had masks on and me and Corey were like, this is weird as shit. <laughs> Today we went, it was me and my kids. I was like, fuck it. I need to get out of the house. I'm going crazy. I need toilet paper. I need some food. And I, <laughs> I told my kids, I said, look, if anyone comes to us because we're not wearing a mask, we're just going to tell them, thank you for your concern. Please let us go about our day. Because I just didn't, I was, I had it in my head that I was going to be kicked out. And then I went and I went to four different places with my kids. And the majority of the rest of the people were doing exactly what I was doing. I'm getting my fucking shopping done. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not walking around scared. We were smiling. We were saying hi to each other. And I like that. And then the people with the masks on, they're like, oh, and so many of the like elderly people with masks on there, they give you these looks like, what are you doing here? Which I could ask you the same thing. What are you doing here? Yeah. And yeah. my daughter got asked last time she went out, do you have any idea what kind of risk you're at? And my daughter was like, you're here too. So I have a mask on though. And my daughter's like, so then you're safe. Thanks for your concern. It's crazy. But at the same time, it was nice to see the little town where we have the target and the Walmart and everything, it looked normal. It looked like mm -hmm. a normal Friday afternoon. People yeah. were out, except you couldn't go into a restaurant. So, you know, the drive through yeah. lines were out the street. We're packed, yeah. But everybody was out. And I'm like, okay, Minnesota, we're not scared. I like seeing this. This yeah. is good. And yeah. I understand the need for concern and in shelter in place in other states where it's a bigger oh, yeah. problem. But in Minnesota, it's not a big problem. And it, we have a fascist governor, so... I'll just put yeah. it like that. <laughs> Governor Waltz, no. you're fascist. There, I said it. <laughs> no, we're locked down pretty much in PA. But even PA is not bad. I mean, apart from Philly, like, and it's really just around New York City. You know, it's like Philadelphia, the New Jersey cities, you know, New York City itself. Chicago, LA. And, it's all yeah. the big cities where everybody's yeah. packed in. Yeah. But even Chicago and out, like, even the other bigger cities, they don't approach New York City. Like, New York City's up, like, around you know, what, 20,000 deaths or something, like 18,000. Yeah. Yeah. And like, all, like Chicago and like all those other big ones are like around like at most like 2,000 deaths. Yeah. You know, was, that's why I'm like, you know, and I don't understand what happened with New York, you know. I mean, maybe what, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just, it's like I said, it's just very odd. It's, it's odd to me. But again, there's a lot of factors, like you said. Yeah. This whole but, thing is odd. And at the same <laughs> time, it is so revealing so so revealing about what's going on with people and how they're kind of showing their colors under crisis it's like yeah that's been the hardest part for me and i think i told you that too it's just kind yeah. of depressing seeing how people are cracking so fast yeah. because i had it in my head we're a strong resilient country and oh. we would revolt <laughs> if anyone tried to take our rights away and we would never acquiesce to tyranny or anything oh, no. and then i see this and i'm like where is the strength of our country. Like, what happened here? We're all scared. Uh, nah, everyone's like that. Don't, there never is any of that strength. I, you know, and <laughs> Strength no, is an illusion. No, well, well, no, it's bullshit. No, it is. It's bullshit. I okay, guess. There's, there's a very small percentage of people that are like Cool Hand Luke. You know, did you ever see Cool Hand Luke with Paul Newman? No. Like, we have failure to communicate? No. Uh, he was just like one of the people, like, he didn't care. You know what I mean? So, like, they sent him to prison. And he's just like, screw you. I'm just going to, like, just keep trying to escape. Punish him. Keep trying to escape. He just didn't care. You know, and there are people that are like that. I'm, I'm yeah. sure, you know, you probably have a little bit of that at you and sometimes. I've seen you just be like, yeah, it's like, 
no, I'm going this direction. It's like, you can't stop me from going this direction. It's like, it doesn't matter, you know? Like, I don't care what, you know, it's like, it doesn't Try matter. Try and like, restrain me. Yeah. I'm going to go. <laughs> like, you know, and there are people that are like that, you know, but I think that's not most people. Most people, like, are going to bail pretty quick because even though I can be like that, you know, I still have to bail quick because I have a family now, you know? Yeah. So, like, when the government or someone that really wants to, like, grab you by the nuts and be like, this is what you're going to do. You put someone's family at threat them is like, what are you going to do? It's like, I'm not going to fight the government and risk my family. Yeah. As much as true. I want to, as much as I want to, it's like, and, and that's frustrating sometimes because you just want to be like, burn it down. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's like, no, I'm not going to do it because I'm going to risk my family, you know? And that's, and I think that to a certain extent, we agree to slavery, but I don't think it's a bad thing. You know what You've I mean? You've said that before. Yeah. It was like the and whole, that yeah, was kind of like, yeah. Well, in Roots, you know, the Toby scene, you know, they're sitting there whipping the shit out of Jordy. And, you know, and it's just, and they're like, your name's Toby. He's like, my name's Kuta Kuta. They just keep whipping the shit out of him. And eventually he's like, yeah, I'm Toby. And the realization is like, look, man, it's like, is your pride, you know, like there comes a point that like, is your pride really worth just having, you know, getting yourself whipped to death? Mm. Or, you know, are you a better service saying, hey, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, play along because, you know, they've made their example of me and maybe they'll leave some other people alone now. You know, I, I mean, it's, you know, I, I think you have to say, it's like, look, I mean, there are just times you can't win. And mm-hmm. I think you need to recognize that. And if you try to fight when you can't win, it ends up with like a lot of people that like maybe didn't want to fight or just weren't prepared to getting hurt, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, are you familiar with Les Mis, the musical? Yes. Yeah, you know, it's like that with the college students, you know, they're all young and, they're, and they really want this freedom, you know, and they all get massacred. Like, yeah. that's tragic. Like, to me, that's the most tragic thing. And you I'm know, not and, willing to put myself out there like that. I really yeah. am not. Like, I've heard people like, even the people that are gathering and protesting right now, like bringing mm-hmm. their weapons and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm over here like, I, I, that's scary to me. Like, you don't yeah. know what's going to happen. You don't know if they're going to be like, you know what? We're tired of this shit. And oh, they just, all of them. And I, for now, I think, okay, they have strength in numbers. They have massive media coverage, you know, and, and they're armed. And I think maybe they're safer doing this. But when people do that, it does threaten the rest of the liberties oh, that yeah. we do have. And it does threaten our safety. And so I'm torn. Mm-hmm. I'm not a protester. I'm, I'm, I'm not an advocate for anything really vocally. I just, I don't want to get tangled in that. Cause I'm like, I have this mm-hmm. and this idea that I should, I should be utilitarian and be all about this, the, this big collective society. I'm like, Oh, but sometimes I'm cool with just being about this and not risking this. And I don't know if that's privilege, but I am comfortable in making sure that I provide for the p- people that I have committed to providing for. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be one of those people that are going to step out and protest. That doesn't mean I think protesting is bad. I think it's something that we have to have as a necessary opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I like that it's protected. But I think we have to pick our battles. I mean, we got to do yeah. that in a marriage, right? You pick your battles. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you yeah. really willing to fight over? And oh, yeah. this is one of those things. And I think, will it make it worse? for everybody else if you mm-hmm. stand up there and cause a ruckus like i can go to target there's my act of rebellion i didn't wear a mask mm-hmm. i went to four stores and didn't wear a mask <laughs> i didn't even use hand sanitizer once there's my act of rebellion but i'm also healthy i'm not scared i 
think I probably really already had it back in February. We all were sick as hell. And I just don't want to live in that fear and I can limit myself. I don't have to go out. You know, I don't have to go do things. I work from home, but yeah, I worry that the protesting is going to just create a bigger problem. And I don't know where I stand. Like I applaud people who do it. Like a woman out here in our town, she was arrested. She was charged with like five different misdemeanors and a Mm -hmm. felony all for removing police tape from a park, Mm -hmm. all for removing police tape from a park. Really? You couldn't just realize that this woman was probably going crazy because she's been quarantined and like five charges. Yeah. Oh, yeah, people are stupid sometimes. sometimes <laughs> like sometimes you need to accept that people are just like, like sometimes people just like go like you said they crack. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was, I, it was like smoking a bandit. Like smoking a bandit was great. Like no one would, no one could like you couldn't make that movie today. People would be like, what? No. The guys running away from the cops. Like the cop, like the cops would never allow that. Like there'd be SWAT teams. Like, they'd have Apache helicopters. They'd probably have, like, military tanks blocking. Like, the government, like, goes crazy when people, like, go nuts. They do, and they will waste all of the tax dollars to prove that they're right and justified. And, like, who well, wants got, to go to war got, with that? They got that? better weapons. They got better weapons. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just like. like it's like, best we that's... just, like, keep the peace. I think that's yeah. in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Make every effort yeah. to keep peace. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's my biggest concern with protesters. Cause I mean, the good example was the, uh, up, you know, the, the, the code of the pipeline, you know, you know, with that whole thing, like that's, you know, I don't know how to feel about it. Cause like, I, what I like to try, like what I like to try to do, which is hard as shit, but what I try to do is I try to believe that I, I think part of what I would call that trust that we're all kind of like have divinity or like that, that brotherly trust that Jesus talks about. I think what that really means is I'm going to trust other people that they're going to be able to listen to that Christ like, or see that Christ like viewpoint. And you have to kind of like trust people cause you can't, you can't force them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that that's, you know, I think that it really starts with that, that you really just have to be like, uh, I, I don't like to protest because it's just like, it's such a dangerous situation. And I've been on the military side. I know who's going to win. That's why, like, that's mm. why it's just as sad to me. Like I know who's going to win that and it's not going to be free. And then, and, 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 you know, and, like it's going to be bad. Like it's especially when it gets out of hand. You know, like like the L.A. riots. You know, yeah. it was a good example of stuff getting out of hand. And it's just like no, you know, don't. It's just bad. You know, it, you know. But at the same time, I also understand like people that really feel called. Like I can't. Like if you if you tell me, you know, I felt really called to do this. It's really hard for me to make any You know, any kind of real case against you. Yeah. You know? I mean. Yeah, I mean, and I agree. I mean, I mean, I can't do it without like sounding completely arrogant and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, you know, I mean, that just sounds so intrusive. Yeah. I think we're all called to, to do things. And so while I, I appreciate and I value the people that are, you know, speaking out against things that are wrong. It, and I, I love that and I want that. And that should influence us to want to, you know, be better to one another and to mm-hmm. see people as people but I don't think we should all do the same thing. You guys can protest and you guys can advocate for this and you can fight against that. And I will support your endeavors and stand in solidarity. And I might even throw some money your way towards your cause, but I'm not going to do that. That's just not what I'm called to. That's not what my gifts are. We all have gifts. That's your gift. You develop it and evolve it and go forth with it. But 
I don't want the expectation that we should, you should be this, you should do this, you should do that. You do that. You're doing a great job of it. And I like watching you. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. I just don't want to. Just, yeah. And I get that choice. And you don't get to make me feel bad about it. You can try, mm-hmm. but whatever. <laughs> oh. oh, I love your doodling. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, if yeah. only I could figure out a way to do something with that. I don't know I'm what to do. I'm telling you, you should sell your notes. You should sell your notes as art. Like, <laughs> right? Do notes for everybody's books and offer it as like a companion. Oh, yeah. Hey, maybe. Yeah. yeah. That's only a good plan. Something to hey, do. you made your podcast work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's <laughs> you know? true. Oh, man. Oh, this has really been a great conversation. Oh, cool. Thanks. I'm Danielle. so, I'm sorry to have to like wrap it up, but I gotta go, no. I gotta go do my wifely duties and make dinner. Uh, no worries. <laughs> I like when my wife cooks for me. <laughs> I have to go bring it I to do. my husband in the tractor tonight though. It's going to be working. I like that. I do. I love that. Like, I don't know. You know, maybe I'm just weird as a guy like that, but I love when my wife makes me a sandwich. Like My husband is so funny about all the little wifely duties. He's like, I don't know what I'd do without you. I love this. <laughs> And I'm like, okay. I like doing it. That's how my mom was a stay at home mom. So that's all I know. And my grandma was a stay at home mom. So I like doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Cooking, making sandwiches for my man. I actually, (laughs) I just got someone came after me who was criticizing me for I don't even know what, telling me that I had no business like podcasting. I was supposed to like be in the kitchen making my husband a sandwich. And I was like, (laughs) I did. I do both. How about that? <laughs> that's, funny. that's you know that, that's such an old cliche. Even like you know insult. Like really, like that's the best you can come at me with. Like you should be in the kitchen making a yeah. sandwich. Like really. Oh, and I'm like, and what sad. if I like being in the kitchen? That doesn't offend me. <laughs> uh, wait till my stuff starts coming up. I'm gonna be in the kitchen all damn summer with my garden. <laughs> That's my rhubarb awesome. is going to be up soon and my asparagus is coming. So uh, that's cool. We can, we can, we jam, we freeze. That's what we do. Oh uh, yeah. I remember when you were posting the pictures of the cheese. Oh, yeah. God. I, I can't do that anymore cheese. though. Those dairy cows died on me. Oh uh, yeah. I remember you saying that. Yeah. Didn't they uh, get, did they get like mad cow or something or. No, honestly. It was, so those two dairy cows and then another one of our beef cows and then 20 sheep. They just all got sick. Mm. No, actually oh. one of my dairy cows got mastitis and we didn't catch it. She just delivered oh. mm-hmm. and we weren't going to milk her right away. And she got mastitis and we didn't catch it in time and she died. But then we had him in too long. It was just a really long winter. Okay. He got sick and mm-hmm. we really couldn't do anything about it. So it happens. Well, we'll probably... I probably won't try that again, though. That was a lot of work, and mm. <laughs> I'm getting older, and I don't want more work. I want less work. So. <laughs> well, you got seven kids, though. <laughs> well, yes. I have five kids, um, uh, but yeah, uh, oh, and the yes, grandson's yeah, coming up. Well, I we have seven. My one son lives with his dad, mm-hmm. um, and then my daughter, her son, and and daddy live here, and then my other three kids. So. Yeah, How I was your grandson doing, by the way? He's so good. He's still oh, a little good. tiny shit, though. Yeah, I remember, like, I remember when, like, he was all, you know, came premature and everything. Yeah. And, like, yeah, spent all the time in the hospital. Yeah. That's good. He's, that's good. He's still good. He oh, is awesome. chunky and healthy and happy. Um, it's so weird, though. He's going to be a year in seven days, but he's oh, so cool. behind, you know, because he was born so early. And it's just yeah. weird because I'm like, shouldn't he be doing this yet? And I'm like, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, he's really like, yeah, yeah, he's really like he started at negative one. Yeah, basically. Wow, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's but, pretty cool. Well, I get well, to hey, see him was... every day. It's the best, it's the best part <laughs> of being a grandma.